It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time for your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lee, send any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He makes the magic happen for the athletic. He's our good friend, Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. Happy trade deadline day. How are you? Doing fine, guys. Always a, a little bit of a relief to get the deadline behind us and no complaints. Well, before we get into uh, what actually happened, take us into your world a little bit. What's trade deadline day like for you? Uh, It's always busy. I mean, it's varying degrees of busy. Um, To be honest, guys, this job's a little bit different than my past ones from the standpoint of, you know, we decided this year to write a trade deadline live blog with myself and John Hollinger. And so, you know, while you're working the phones and trying to find out what's going on, uh, the focus was analysis with, with, you know, not necessarily the breaking information on each specific transaction that actually happened, but, but almost more trying to dig out some of the possibilities that got explored and, and just all the stuff that the fans find interesting. And, and, uh, but, but writing in real time, I think we wound up with probably 6,000 words total, um, you know, just constantly updating it with thoughts and observations. And, and we started it yesterday. So, uh, you know, that was the routine. But it's it's a, a lot of text, a lot of calls, and, and just trying to see, you know, what's going to be uh, – you know, we, we talked for so many months about what could happen, and we kind of try to figure out what actually will happen here. So what do you – of all the things that did happen, uh, what strikes you? What's at the top of your list? Uh, Gordon, probably, I mean, the, the Warriors-Wolves trade comes to mind first. Um, it's super interesting. You know, the Warriors, they they knew, I think, unofficially that Kevin Durant was probably leaving, and they decide to come up with a creative idea to get an asset back in return. He goes to Brooklyn. D'Angelo Russell and sign and trade comes their way, um, and it was – at that time, D'Angelo was on the verge of signing with Minnesota. And Carl Anthony Towns is his good friend. And Gerson Rosas, their new uh, front office leader, wanted D'Angelo. Thought they were going to get him then. And then it was, you know, the disappointment on their part of him going to the Warriors. And so now fast forward eight months and, and, and they finally get their guy. Um, the Warriors had kept telling people that they, they had no urgency to trade D'Angelo now. But they end up doing it. And so now what it creates that I do think is really interesting going forward is the Warriors are going to be title contenders again next season. And they now have a piece in Wiggins filling the old job of Harrison Barnes, filling the old job of Kevin Durant. Uh, and, and this guy's like the most enigmatic player in the entire NBA. Just tons of talent and no consistency and you know his competitive fire for the most part, seems to be pretty lacking. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then, you know, on the other side, to see if D'Angelo can help the Wolves kind of get out of their dark place. Let me just uh, throw in there. I agree with you completely on the Warriors. I think they're going to go right back to the top of the league next year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I mean, it's Steph and Clay, and those dudes are not 
on the back end of their careers yet. And, you know, they're going to be back full force at the start of next season. You know, Steph is still likely to play some games this year. And Draymond Green's still there. And it's it's going to be a test of their culture. And um, it's funny, guys, because Monday night the Timberwolves played in Sacramento. And I wrote about this, but, like, I looked up on press row and Zaza Pachulia and Mike Dunleavy were there from the Warriors. And Mike is the assistant GM now under Bob Myers and working with Larry Harris. And then uh, Zaza is a consultant, but they were there. Um, it was pretty clear to watch Andrew Wiggins and to get – one last scouting report on him before making this trade. And, and they do believe that it's going to be one of those things where, you know, when he is surrounded by guys who have won championships and who work the way those guys do, that it's going to finally take his game to the next level. Sam, what do you think about what the Rockets are doing moving on from Clint Capella and going super small? Um, I mean, it's it's if you have no rooting interest, and I certainly don't, it's just super interesting because – it's it's a uh, it's a calculated risk and it's a you know it's um, very unorthodox and PJ Tucker at the five spot you know coming in at like six five six six is you know that's their lineup that has been so successful it's their version of the Warriors old death lineup with you know Draymond Green playing the five um, and that's what they want to roll with Capella had been hurt lately they, the the Rockets won a bunch of games without him. Um, I think they still had some leftover emotional baggage from the playoffs last year when Capella got outplayed by Kevon Looney of the Warriors. And I think a lot of Rockets people felt like if he had actually kind of, you know, stepped up in that moment, maybe they would have moved on. And so, um, you know, they, but they just, they got Bruno uh, Caboclo today, has some length that could help a little bit on the defensive end, but they didn't replace, you know, Capella by any means with, anything remotely, you know, resembling a conventional center. So it's small ball to the extreme, and we'll see if it works. Now, I'm not saying this is going to make any kind of big difference uh, immediately, but I kind of like what the Hawks have been up to. What do you think about the additions of Capella and Dedman? Well, I like it a lot. Um, I think the, the Capella thing, you got it's always like the context matters, and so – they had looked hard, the Hawks had, at an Andre Drummond trade. And there was a lot of pressure from ownership to get Trey Young some help. And, you know, I remember hearing during the Drummond discussions that their GM, Travis Schlank, didn't really want Drummond, but, you know, knew that he kind of had to do something. And Trey was getting impatient, um, which sounds crazy. I mean, he's second-year, 21-year-old guy, but he's also an all-star now, and, and he was tired of being out there with – with no help, and, and, you know, they had injuries early on that didn't help, and John Collins had a 25-game suspension. Capella, bottom line, he comes in at a fairly reasonable price. I know it sounds crazy to say reasonable when you're talking 17, 18, 19 million a year, but, you know, Drummond would have cost you a lot more than that, and Capella, as a, a guy who rolls to the rim, a guy who, you know, gives you length and, and who can run, he's, he's very good when it comes to the running game, I just think it's a good fit, and uh, and I think it's going to fit well. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, what do you make of the drama going on in, in Philly right now with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Alf Horford saying they're having locker room issues? What's your read on that situation? I just think that in general it's it's like these players are they're smart people and certainly you know incredibly intelligent on the, the game of basketball, and 
they know when you know when when certain kind of skill sets aren't meshing, and they know when when certain players who shouldn't be on the same roster are. And I think it's just getting more and more uncomfortable because these guys know this. You know, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons are not a good pairing together, and it's it, it's hard for the Sixers because. They are both, you know, at their best, like franchise centerpiece-worthy players. But to have them under the same roof is problematic. I mean, Joel is out talking to the media about the lack of spacing and how he has to spend too much time at the three-point line to help with the spacing. And the the undercurrent there is like, well, if if my guy Ben Simmons could actually, you know, shoot the ball, I wouldn't have to be out here. And you know, Al Horford. It's funny because he's such a uh, a pro and a guy who's just a, a you know legendary locker room guy, but that little slip up I think of of thinking that you're keeping things in house, but when you tell the world you you have problems and you're going to keep them in house, all you do is make everybody curious and and this is like the continuation of uh, last season when Jimmy Butler was there and we thought Jimmy was going to resign in free agency and then he he just kind of mysteriously didn't and and since leaving Jimmy has alluded a couple of times to the idea that that locker room had a lot going on and, and that was why he didn't return. So it seems like their chemistry as a group is just not the best at all. So sometimes, like you were talking about, sometimes that's physical and sometimes it's mental. Have you seen a team bounce back from those kinds of problems in a manner that uh, is is extraordinary? Um, I don't know who comes to mind. I mean, the, the, you know, the old Kobe Shaq Lakers – are the ones that get propped up as the ultimate example of how you don't have to like each other to win championships. And the difference there being that Kobe and Shaq's physical talents matched up beautifully. And it was the mental side that caused problems for them. But in the end, they still got three championships together. So, you know, it's not that it's insurmountable, but it does appear that they have the combination of both, that it's a skill set problem in addition to a personality problem. And, you know, I, I think that might be a little too much. Um, but they must still believe in it because, you know, they, they chose not to blow anything up at the deadline. And, you know, and they're going to go into the playoffs with this squad. Gordon and I have talked about uh, this uh, a little bit, Sam, this week with Mike Conley coming back into the starting lineup for the Jazz and him playing alongside Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, certainly four fine offensive players. But in your opinion, can you ever have too much offense in a starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, if it means there's too little defense, then for sure. Now that's where it gets tough. And I, I'm guilty of, I don't want to pretend that I've broken down tape of, of Mike Conley's defense this particular season, but obviously his reputation is a very good defender. Um so conceivably, you would not think that was the case here. But it is tough that this trend keeps happening, that they can't seem to win games on a consistent basis with Mike on the floor. You know, and they, they had Joe obviously coming off the bench before uh, and won a bunch of games when they put him in the starting lineup when Mike was out. And, you know, and now they're sliding again. I mean, I would probably remind the Jazz fans who, uh, you know, good old producer Austin told me they're, they're certainly a little desperate this week, and they're frustrated by this losing streak. I mean, these are tight games. You know, you lose to the Nuggets by six, to the uh, the Spurs by seven. You know, and um, I know last night was was another close one. But 
It is weird. They they were on a high. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a great stretch for the, the month before and, and a little bit of a back step here. So, Sam, the, the problem about last night's game, in addition to the fact that it was a fifth straight loss, the Nuggets are playing with seven available players. It's the back half of a back-to-back. Uh, the Jazz are playing at home. They had three days off leading up to the game to work through their problems. And then they go and they had a 15-point lead, and they see that wither away. And then in the last uh, minutes of the game, four consecutive turnovers. It's kind of like just one of those things where you're watching and you're you're going, okay, is this the truth, or is just this just one of those blips that happens during a long NBA season? And we really don't know the answer to that right now. I mean, they were 19 to 21 before, and now they lose five straight. It's just weird. Yeah, no, it is weird. Um, I just peeked at the box score. Uh, it's one of the one of the weirder box scores you're going to see. I was trying to to figure out, all right, you know, who gets credit for Donovan's bad shooting night, and, and then you look at the other side of the box, and and you think eight of twenty four is a bad shooting night. Gary Harris somehow is part of a win when he goes zero for thirteen. Um, so a strange night, but you know they're going to happen. I mean, the, the trade deadline season in particular. It's always a, a weird time to try to win games. I know this is a kind of a macro look at it, but you know these guys all have this stuff on the back of their minds. Uh, even a guy like Gary, I mean, I, I wondered if maybe the, if he uh, if the Nuggets did something like a Drew Holiday trade, you know, Gary would likely have been in it. Um, you know, and then he goes out and, and has a terrible night at the office. So we'll see. I mean, the, the Jazz have had a, a mostly good season, but they continue to have a Jekyll and Hyde quality that uh, I'm sure frustrates them and their fans. Sam, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on and breaking it down as usual. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sam. The great Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. I, I, I liked his analysis of what's going on with Golden State. If Andrew Wiggins can kind of get his head on straight, I think that's a great fit there. Yeah, I would agree with and that. And picked up a draft pick on top of it. Yeah. Great move by yeah. Bob Myers right there. Agree 100%. And especially how they were losing – Kevin Durant for nothing, and to flip that into maybe a possible piece, you know, the third or fourth guy in the lineup with with Andrew Wiggins. I mean, not to bring up old, you know, uh, stories, but when Gordon Hayward left for Boston and didn't arrange anything to come back and return to the Jazz, it it set the Jazz back. I mean, Kevin Durant, there was no love lost with the Warriors. He he said today that he decided midway through last year he was leaving, but still managed to pull off a sign-and-trade, so the Warriors brought something back, which they parlayed into Andrew Wiggins and a draft pick. Not bad. (laughs) Not bad at all. Not bad. Yeah, when you got all those guys coming back who are prime players uh, who are temporarily shelved, and they're going to come back with a fury. All right. We'll get to more coming up. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.